What's good, everybody? First, before you listen to this podcast, I just want to say I love you guys and just appreciate with all my heart. Um, I hope everybody's doing super well. I also want to talk about the new hit show, Tea with Gary V, every morning, 9 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Gary, um, Tea with Gary V, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., two hours of me doing Q&A with people individually the deepest, deepest in-depth that I've ever done, more than Ask Gary Vee. I'm super excited about it. It's on facebook.com slash Gary every morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. It's a smash if you go on social media. People are freaking out. Maybe my best content pillar ever. If you want to get your questions on it, you can ask at 212-931-5731 on my community app. That's where we're taking the questions from. And what I mean by that is you ask the question there, use hashtag T with Gary V, and then somebody from my team goes in there and contacts you and actually gets you to be in the prompt for asking the question on the show in video form on Zoom, which is the infrastructure I'm using to then distribute out to Facebook. T with Gary V, the new smash hit show, 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern. West Coast, wake up at that 5.45 time, brush your teeth and get on it. Happy Saturday, everyone. Today's podcast is an interview Gary did with Calgary Today with Joe McFarland. Hope you enjoy. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Greetings and salutations, friends. Hope all is well with you and yours. Welcome to a special edition of the Calgary Today podcast. Every so often, we have guests on the show who deserve a little more than five minutes here or five minutes there. So is the case with Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a serial entrepreneur, venture capitalist, chairman of VaynerX, CEO and co-founder of VaynerMedia, a five-time New York Times best-selling author and online virtuoso. You can follow him on all of the social media platforms by searching Gary V. that's V-E-E. Now, I had reached out to his team ahead of his scheduled appearance in Edmonton in March in hopes of giving some of his advice and insight for our Calgary audience. As we all know, the COVID-19 pandemic got in the way of that, and he's been at home dealing with his business ventures, but also launching his new daily tea with Gary V, a chance for his followers to communicate with him for a couple of hours via live stream. His team got back to me recently, and on Wednesday, we had the chance to chat about the pandemic, pivoting in this unconventional time, and what he hopes we all learn when we come out of this global disruption. Gary, welcome to Calgary Today. Thanks for having me. How is Gary Vaynerchuk doing, given that that regular outgoing personality is finding himself more at home, more having to do stuff over social media rather than being in front of crowds and that kind of thing? You know, I'm uh, I'm using technology, Zoom and, and, you know, Google Hangouts has been able to really help me with that. And and to be frank, you know, I've got the part of me that needs, you know, 5,000 people in a crowd. I've got the part of me that's super fine with me, myself, or me and just my intimate family. And so I can, I can kind of navigate. It's fascinating how the ability to pivot has certainly rung true during this COVID-19 pandemic. How important has that been in your day-to-day operations? Massively. You know, I, uh, I run a very large international global uh, agency called uh, uh, Vayner Media, and you know we have almost a thousand employees, and now we're operating from home, and it's been a it's a real thing. It's a it's a. Luckily for me, I'm an entrepreneur, and so I'm not rigid, and so going fast is my biggest comfort. And you know, it's been a, an adjustment, but there's definitely a, a level of new normal. We we were already built on the cloud and built on Slack and things of that nature. So it's not too foreign to us. Um, but it is definitely a requirement um, for the world we all live in. Did it make it a little bit easier given that you had already built a lot of those systems already in place? 
Absolutely. I definitely have a lot of empathy and compassion and, and, and worry for the people that had to go out there and, you know, go from a non cloud based tech stack to, you know, this new world. I'm sure there was a lot of pain in that. How hopeful are you though, that we learn something from this? The good news is I'm not even hopeful. I'm completely convinced we have and will, um, you know, I think humans adjust. We're animals, that superior animals in the animal kingdom that, that uses our uh, powerful brains. And I think people have already found some new normals, whether it's e-commerce sales, whether it's um, the ability to stay in touch with family members visually on FaceTimes and Zooms. Um, I think there's a lot – I think hopefully there's some humility after this. People realize they don't need certain things, uh, spend money on certain things. So I think it's going to be a very interesting post COVID world that uh, we'll navigate through. And uh, I'm excited to kind of live in that world and, and see where the opportunities are. And obviously, outside of the devastating number of lost lives during this uh, process, um, we'll have the economic ramifications that we'll have to get through. Um, but I, I, I actually see that I'm, I'm, I'm not only hopeful, I'm positive there'll be a lot of great learnings and people are going to learn certain things. You know, I, for one, never could work from home. Now I comfortably can. And I think that's a that's a big game changer. Do you think traditional capitalism is in for a bit of an awakening, given all it's been said, not only from an economic perspective, but also from a human being perspective? Meaning? In terms of something that you always talk about, which is, you know, cater to your employees versus catering to your stockholders. Yes, I, I, I do think. I think companies like ours and others have really excelled during this period of time. And I think culture has been the oxygen of that. And I think uh, that's going to be something that is talked about, debated and understood much more going forward. Do you think that we are being exposed a little bit as well during the COVID-19 pandemic? Those who are doing good are being exposed for such and those doing bad are also being exposed. Yeah, I think I think events like this always lead to those kind of uh, variables. I do think extremities, you know, hardcore things lead to exposure. And so I would say yes. When you look at what's being given to you through Tea with Gary V, do you feel any pressure when people ask you basically to sign off on their life choices? Um. No, because I think if you listen carefully to my wordsmithing, I try to hedge with opinions, hypothesis, intuition. Um, I, I recognize that, um, first of all, there's a couple of really interesting insights to that. One, I've been doing this long enough to know that 90% of people don't do what I tell them to do anyway, mm-hmm. or what I think is good. So, you know, and I, I do believe in, you know, self, uh, you know, kind of realization, meaning, you know, accountability. No, I think I have good, you know, you know what's interesting is, and only in certain Q&A environments has this been seen, but I'm also very comfortable saying I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, and so I go with this is my opinion. This is what I've seen. But no, I, I come with tremendously good intent. I think the place where I get a little uncomfortable is when it starts getting a little bit into psychiatrist, psychologist kind of like territory where where I'm concerned the person might be pushing. The, this is less about, you know, insecurity and starts getting into true, you know, medical issues. So I, I, I try to be very careful in that environment. But it, but for the most part, these are very business and career places that I take up a level into mindset, happiness, confidence, things of that nature. So I do feel comfortable. 
Do you think that there's an opportunity here for a lot of those who are listening, who are kind of struggling with that notion, A, they might have lost their job already, or B, they're fearful of losing their job. They might be able to take that step back and say, okay, here's what's really important. Here's what I really love to do. Why not try to take that chance now? Because I don't know if the bottom is ever going to real. you can't get any closer to the bottom right now. Yeah, I think I think some people are going to be put into a position of having no choice but to do something that will make them happy, and in a weird way, that makes me happy because you know they're uh, they're they're they would have never done it otherwise, and so sometimes um, you know having no choice leads you to actually doing exactly what you needed to do. Do you are you learning anything about yourself through this whole process? The no question, the fact that I don't need to travel as much to do a meeting and then fly back where I can do that in Zoom. So the technology infrastructure, I've learned that I can feel intimacy through video chat in a way that I thought I needed to be in the physical room together. And that has scaled my relationship opportunities through the roof. I am curious, though, what is it like being in the Gary V war room, trying to come up with different ideas, different strategies, or pivoting to different points so that you can continue to churn out what you do churn out on a day-to-day basis? You know, I think it's kind of like any artist or any athlete, you know, or anybody who's good at their craft. It's actually very easy. It's natural. It's my natural state. It's what I've been doing since I was a six-year-old coming up with ideas, oftentimes creatively around business ideas and and spending time listening and watching people's behavior. It it, it the war room in my own head is is actually a very light, free, fast environment. It it's it's not filled with anxiety or concern and thus it's able to cut it's a really to be frank, a very happy place. How do you get there? I think some of it was God gifted, aka the right DNA traits from my parents. I think some of it was serendipity. You know, I do believe that being born in a foreign country, coming here, you know, going through that process um, helped kind of give me that grit. Um, and then I and then I think after I kind of quote unquote realized it, where anywhere between let's call it sixteen and thirty two. Where, where it like kind of became conversation with myself of like, Hey, do you have something like, Hey, are you like, you, you, were you gifted something? Hey, you, you got something here. Like now it starts becoming an inner dialogue and then you start trying to really trying to push it through and make the subconscious to conscious. I think it's about being surrounded by positivity and optimism and practicality. I, I spent my life, you know, being, you know, around my mom who was massively positive and optimistic, you know, then, then I, chose friends that were happy and nice. I, I shied away from kids that maybe could have made me more popular in high school, but I didn't think they were positive people. And just became, you know, I think most, and then I shied away from negative people that were even family members or business associates or, or, or classmates or roommates. You know, I, I controlled my choices around positivity versus negativity. How do you strike that right balance? A lot of people, a lot of, you know, I think real quick, I apologize. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of people listening right now are going to say, it's my mom, it's my aunt, it's my best friend, it's my wife, it's my husband, it's my daughter. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about limiting interaction even with the people that are closest. It doesn't mean you cut your mom off or dad off for life, but it, yeah, it means that you spend less time <laughs> interacting so that you don't take that energy. It actually genuinely matters.
you mentioned the positivity versus the practicality and how do you strike that right balance? Because some people will think that positivity and especially in these uncertain times can be a little oblivious to reality. Yeah. I mean, look, I think, I think there's a reason there's two different words called delusion and practicality. Like optimism is practical to me, but, but some people think somebody who's delusionally optimistic, you know, is delusional about their goals is quote unquote optimistic. I think they're very different words. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that it's very easy for me to say when people say they're going to be a billionaire and they're playing Fortnite all night, you know, like it's, it's easy to see that's delusion. So, you know, to me, it's actually very easy to balance. Is it possible to be delusionally negative as well? That's a great question. I've never really thought about that. Is it possible? I, I do. You know, it's funny. I actually do believe that one can. I feel like I'm around people who put negativity um, in a pedestal because it protects them. It's safer mm-hmm. to be negative. So, yes, I think I do think you can be delusionally negative. The reason I ask that is you know, because... Uh, oh, go uh, ahead. I apologize again, but what I was about to say is I often hear a lot of people saying, Gary, I just keep it real. I'm like, you're not keeping it real. You're keeping it real negative. Mm-hmm. That wasn't keeping it practical. You just decided it's not going to work. Being a no person is not necessarily a very exciting way to live life. Well, and the reason I ask that is here in Alberta, particularly, we are a very blue collar province, a lot of oil and gas here. And and based on governmental decisions and that kind of thing being made is that we've been going through a pretty rough patch, about five years worth of rough patches. The oil price tanked in 2015 and we just didn't seem to get a lot of traction. So a lot of people here are in that perpetual negative state. And so it's really interesting to hear different people speaking about the possibilities that are out there. All they got to do is look beyond that negativity. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think that things change. You know, there were people that were delusionally happy during the boom, um, uh, and and you know, when gas was rolling, and yes, things change. And so, you know, you can either dwe- I think dwelling is a way to continue not to do. You can, or you can, you know pick up of your bootstraps and innovate. Now, for a lot of those who have the blue-collar jobs, what advice do you have for them to do that innovation, to be thinking outside the box? Because a lot of them do believe that, hey, I just work with my hands. I'm not the tech-savvy guy that a Joe or a Gary or whoever might be. Um, that you can go on the Internet, and it's called Google and YouTube, and you can watch <laughs> 25 hours and learn another craft. Why do you think it scares you know, people like, so much to do that, though? Uh, people lack humility, and people are tired, and people have let their mind go into it's not worth it. And people who are 48 years old decide they're old when they haven't even started. Um, mindset. The, the, the brain is the operating system. The brain is controlling the actions. It's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because every day I get a shockingly high amount of emails and direct messages that tell people, tell me that I did something good for them. And it was only because I was able to help them change their perspective. How do you change the perspective of someone who believes that at 48, they got to have their life figured out. And as you mentioned, they, they're just kind of stuck spinning their tires thinking, okay, I've just got another 15 years to go before I retire. How broken is that idea? I mean, if they're happy, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. If they're not, 
then I start getting a little bit more worried and, you know, you just start having a real conversation with them and just really start pushing them to challenge their thinking and ask them simple questions like, you know, you know, you're 48, your great, your grandmother is 91. Like you do know that that's 43 years from now. You do know 43 years ago, you were five years old. Like people have a very difficult time with their relationship with time. And I think I try to spend a lot of time with that and try to get people to really see it, quote unquote, a different way. Why do you think they have trouble with the idea of time? I think most people are looking out for outside validation and the quicker they can get it, the better they'll feel about their insecurities. And so people want things now. And I think that became a framework and I think it just becomes the way they see the world, unfortunately. How difficult do you think social media makes it because they are measuring themselves against everybody else they see in their feeds? Um, I just think it, it accelerates things that were naturally there. So I don't think it's a byproduct of social. I think those same people focused on one person in their neighborhood and the car they had, and now they have more people to focus on. Um, so, but, you know, watching lifestyles of the rich and famous, you know, put people into tweaks that were envious of others, no different than a cool Instagram post. When you look at the current situation now and the ability to maybe take that step back, that deep breath, are you taking that step back, that time to breathe a little bit, maybe spending a little bit more time with family, that kind of thing? A hundred percent. Absolutely. Though, unfortunately for me, that it, it was that way the first seven to nine days. But when this became clearly a long thing, um, I had to really start focusing on navigating the business through the rough waters, clients not paying mm-hmm. and clients you know, not renewing, um, you know, making tough decisions on do we need to do furloughs or layoffs or, you know, you know, bank covenants, you know, real business stuff. So it's been a little bit intense. And then, you know, on top of all that, I decided, you know, a little over a week ago to get deeply involved and become a partner and, and be a driver of this all-in challenge with Michael Rubin and Alan Tish. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this has hit your radar, the allinchallenge.com. We raised $16 million in the first six days the eight days, excuse me, of the project. So, you know, it's gotten a little bit busy here for the last two weeks, but in general, yes. How amazed have you been at the ability of the world community to come together for something like the All In Challenge, or you see people coming together for PPEs or whatever the case may be, just to feel like they're a part of this global movement? I believe in people the most. I, I think it it has not surprised me one bit. It's what people do. I think the human race is incredible. And uh, I think it's fantastic. And I expected nothing less. One question I've always wanted to ask you about, and me being part of the quote-unquote mainstream media, is what role do you see the traditional media playing in this? How do they get out of that constant stream of negativity you're always talking about? Um, you know, I think it's just about finding the positive stories. I think there's way more positives going on than negatives. But the negative is always more of a, you know, a uh, kind of rubbernecking thing. You're going to look at death tolls. You're going to look at, you know, issues. But we're not talking about all the people that have spent more time with their kids in 30 days than they have in their whole life. Or There's just so many positives coming from this. So I think that um, I think that the reality is, is it's back to the conversation we're having around perspective. It's just zoning in on the good. Because there's plenty of good. There's so many people helping. There's so many new businesses coming Mm -hmm. out of this. There's so much good. 
Now, I'm kind of curious about this point, too, and I've been trying to make it on my show as well. I actually don't want it to go back to normal. There's a lot of different things that were kind of wrong in the world that we could easily fix during a time like this. Do you feel the same way? Do you think that maybe we can go to a new normal that kind of leaves the old normal in dust? There, there's no shot that there, there is a, that we're going back to exactly the normal that we all knew. So, uh, yes, that is my hope, and I think that that is very clear where we're going. So, uh, good news. Your hope is going to be uh, is going to be achieved. There's just no shot that we go exactly back. Too many mm-hmm. days of new behaviors. Final question for you, because I know you're up against the clock here. When it comes to that new normal, what are you looking forward to the most? Uh, people being even more thoughtful with their time and the requirement of time of others, a.k.a., you know, uh, more people working home from home on Fridays so that they can go into the weekend but still be productive during the day. Um, again, not going across town for a one-hour meeting if you work in New York and losing that hour and just doing it on Zoom. I think there's just such a new way to do business on video conference that's going to lead to that. And and then enjoying when you actually do go to dinner and give that person a hug. So just appreciating both. One of the only other guys I know who happens to love Mondays. Gary, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Gary Vaynerchuk for joining us and a shout out to his team for penciling in some time for us here in Calgary. And thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, thanks for checking out the show on 770 CHQR and here on the Calgary Today podcast.